Lyrics of the Hub, your fan cast, brought to you by TV Series Hub. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Nurks of the Hub. I'm your host for the day, Heaven, joined by my co-host, Kelsey. Hey! And our extra special guest for the day, Christian Lloyd. Hello, hello. Hey. So you may have seen him in the new hit series, American Gods. And I have to say, you were in the sexiest non-sexy sex (laughs) scene that I have ever seen. (laughs) Yeah. Was that wordy enough for you? It was. No, I I appreciated it very much. So my biggest question is, how did rehearsals go for that one? (laughs) Well, the funny thing is with television, well, I mean, American Gods is a bit different just because there is breathing room, um, unlike a lot of television, which is just go, go, go. Um, And the thing about film and TV is there's not really such a thing as rehearsal. I mean, if you're doing a stunt... There might be. uh, Well, no, there definitely would be um, an an elaborate sequence. But for something like that, um, it was more a blocking rehearsal. Um, And then uh, it was very stop and start because the coil that makes its way up and around new media uh, was obviously added in post. So there's a lot of stopping and starting. Uh, So in terms of the continuity of that scene, it was very much... uh, chunked up into into blocks um yeah so is that the weirdest sex scene you've ever filmed (laughs) uh probably um (laughs) probably the 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 other reason too which i don't think anyone's aware of is i could not see on set ever um because i had these basically um it was a weird situation in that i used to have perfect vision and I was very proud of having perfect vision. In fact, I had 2016 vision. Ah. So I would see what most people had 16, I would see up to 20. Um, and then the the production said, we need to fit you for contact lenses, which for me is anything dealing with the eyes, I can't deal with. Uh, and so I went to this Toronto uh, you know, eye center that specializes in film and TV, a lot of Star Trek um, people go through there. Um, and they fitted me for black contact lenses, which I actually posted on Instagram, which are terrifying. Um, but there was too much oxygen underneath, so they couldn't do it uh, in safety of my eye. Um, and then the, the ophthalmologist who was looking after me said, you don't wear contacts? And I'm like, no, I don't need to. And he goes, well, that's that's strange because you actually do need glasses. And I'm like, no, I don't. And he goes, uh, you do. And he was actually quite rude about the whole thing. Um so now I need glasses, uh, which I didn't know before. Uh, my right eye was doing all the work. Um, so because the contacts didn't work, they actually fitted me with a prosthetic that went over my eye. And then they pl- put in two dead eyes on top of my eyes. So not only was that the strangest sex scene, but it was also I had no idea what was going on because I was completely blind every time I was on set. <laughs> I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> yes. I know. And the most amazing thing is when you arrive on set and the great thing about American Gods is everyone is such an amazing individual, but together they're even stronger. And that whole term God Squad, it applies amazingly because as a, you know, as a new actor going into a series, you walk into the makeup room or the makeup truck, which is the first time you're meeting everyone. And usually there's a glance over to see who you are and then they go back to their regular life. 
Whereas every single person was like, hi, who are you? Who do we get to play with? And it was like, uh, you know, a cat with a new toy. It was, it was very exciting. And I will say the first day, uh, Bruce Langley, who plays Technical Boy, he was like, uh, Christian, it's, it's Bruce. I'm right over here. And then he would walk me around set. Uh, and we totally bonded, not only because of that experience, but also just he's a great person and we've become really good friends. But also I, could, I couldn't see a thing the entire six or seven days that I was working. You know, you have such an amazing getup. I mean, probably one of the most intricate. uh, I don't know if costume is even the right word for it. I'm really curious how much of that was costuming and and makeup and how much of it they had to CG. Well, it's funny. The um, the cords coming out of me were actually uh, uh, practical. I guess I wouldn't call them uh, practical pieces. Um, So they had these prosthetic uh, sort of outlets that were on my chest and back. Um, And then in terms of the vocal box uh, that morphed my voice, that was just a little plastic thing they put over my larynx and then, uh, or pharynx. Um, And then everything else, basically uh, the veins and, and all that, that was all makeup. Uh, they did the bald cap. Uh, the eyes obviously were real, but all the eyes opening and closing, that was all digital effects. Um, but in terms of me sitting in that throne and being attached to it and being one with, with sort of the network, uh, that was very much uh, a practical um, situation, um, which that's the amazing thing about that show. They don't just sort of bring you to a green screen and, and, you know, help you imagine a room. They actually built that chamber in that room for that scene, which was amazing. But I couldn't see anything. So it didn't really help me. <laughs> That's a lot. So it could have been helpful for feel yeah, if you could helpful. see it. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, it took it took about three people to clip me in. Um and a lot of the wires were added later when they do that aerial shot of new media and I, you know, there's a lot of wires that have been added. Um, but a lot of it was real. And it was funny because the way they, they shoot television is with the stars, they'll shoot their close-ups first and, and they'll release them. And the, you know, supporting cast, they will shoot last. Uh, and they're coming to my coverage and I really had to pee. And it was about 5.30 in the morning and I had just peed. Like it was maybe 45 minutes before they came up to me to do my coverage. I had, you know, joyfully gone to the washroom, but they gave us uh, Cuban coffees at about five (laughs) in the morning. And I took two of them. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm, and then this is how my thought went is I was like, I'm actually just wearing kind of like a G string. um, And then underneath me, is a wire chair with nothing underneath that. So I think I'm okay if I actually just pee. Like that's what <laughs> went through my head at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> like, Those are some dire straits. Underneath me oh. real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there's all these people around me and I thought, okay, I have to let them know. But then also I went, am I about to piss my pants on the set of American God? <laughs> and then what was amazing is I guess I had some sort of facial thing happening, even though you couldn't see it in my eyes. And Emily, who plays Laura Moon, she's like, uh, dude, are you all right? And I said, um, I, I, I think I have to go to the washroom. She goes, guys, he's got a piss. <laughs> literally, everyone was like, oh, OK. And she goes, just say something. It's your it's your health. It's your body. I'm like, 
I know, but it's the last shot of the night. Like we've been here for 16 hours. I don't want to be the guy who's like, we've got to go pee. Which <laughs> oh. I, and then you were took, trying to I know, be a was, bro to the rest of the crew. <laughs> exactly. And it was about 15 minutes to unclip me. And then I went to pee. And here's the best part of the, but the, but the pee. It was literally three drops of urine. Like a, <laughs> a geyser. It was three drops. I didn't tell anyone that. And then I came back and flipped <laughs> me into my chair. And we finished the day. So It was like in your head. It just had to come out. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's also that thing of being locked in and going like, oh, my God, I don't know how long this is going to take. Yeah. You know, so that was terrifying. That's probably one of the funniest behind the scenes stories I've heard. I was going to say, I think in 10 minutes, you just topped every other podcast we've ever done. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It was uh, it was definitely. And it was funny, too, because that took two, probably two 16 hour days to shoot that sequence um again because that's the amazing thing about that show is they do not skim for time they need to get the they need to get everything right uh so you know as an actor that's just a a, a rare luxury to have that sense of time well you you seem to be working with just a extremely professional group of people i mean i've heard such good things about the crew and the cast and it sounds like you're confirming all of it (laughs) Yes. No, it was definitely a dream to work with them. And, uh, you know, obviously God's resurrect. So hopefully that's not the last time I'm working with that bunch. I was wondering if we would (laughs) see him again. Are you allowed to tell us? Well, it's funny. Nothing. I mean, I can honestly say nothing's been said at this point to me. I mean, uh, definitely with the greenlit three third season, um, you know, the writers are writing and, and, you know, coming up with being faithful to the novel, but also, as you know, things have departed from the novel. Um, but the thing about Argus is when we first meet him, he's dead. And then we see another version of him and he's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I played all those versions. There was actually two more versions of him that didn't make it to the final cut. Um, so I feel like every time you see him, he's dead. And then you see when he's alive. So that just makes more sense that when we see him again, the same actor plays him and he's in a <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's not something that's gone away. Um, I mean, he, you know, he's so, so I have a question, though. If you, you know, but you were covered in makeup and, and so you t- truly, I think, could come back almost as another god, too, with some makeup and be... So if you could, is there one that jumps out at you that you'd be like, I would love to play this person? Like, you mean recast? No, like... No, you know, what? which god I see what you're saying. Um, Or a god we haven't seen yet. Well, it's funny, because I feel like you you got, uh, you know, you just got a a glaze of him that I would love to dig deeper into him, Mm -hmm. to tell you the truth. Um... Just because I, I, you know, it's a, the, the fun thing is the director said, Bruce really likes to play. And are you comfortable going off script? And I said, yes. And so we came up with all these alternate versions where I had a lot of flair and I had a lot of, um, you know, it was just, a, you know, and obviously you take, and at the end of the day, you take what makes the most sense for the story. Um, but there was a lot that we were able to explore. And I feel like I would love to continue exploring uh, who that guy is, uh, his, you know, how he comes to America, you know, obviously, you know, not having as illustrious a backstory as some of the other people, but, you know, it's such a, uh, it was such an impactful, you know, 
God to, to visually, uh, as well as that scene. And you feel like, <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that's not the last we see of him. Uh, well, and he's yeah. just so very relevant. Like, you know, he, well, ex- he, you know, with, especially with new media, like, yeah. It, well, there and was the fact cool that sequence. you're kind of like, you're almost like old God that reincarnated into new yeah, gods. Like you're, you're one of the you're, few you're the that bridge. has flowed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I'm one of the first hybrid gods, which is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what was also interesting, which sadly was cut is that uh, we were under the assumption that everything the viewer has seen of American gods up until that, uh, that episode was basically through the eyes of Argus through his surveillance. Um, and they actually had me, watching the entire series, so to speak. Um, so I thought that was a really cool thing. Um, and again, due to story cool. constraints, uh, you know, that had to disappear, which I was sad to see because it would have, you know, it would have made more sense, I think. Um, but it does expand a story that may not necessarily need to be told at this point. Um, because some people did say it's such a strong character visually that and and he he does have uh, how he came to America story, uh, but there was still some confusion about who this guy was. So uh, I know they were trying to wrap that up, but obviously they went the way they did, and you know that hopefully just means that you know he comes back. Because yeah, there I there is another that. thing with Thor, for example. Someone I don't know if it was in the episode or someone recently said um, when a god commits suicide, there's no coming back. Mm-hmm. But if they're sacrificed, then you know, you just get their believers back and they are reborn. Yeah, I forget what episode they mentioned that in, but I do remember. Well, and also Mr. Wednesday says to me, he's like, I'm sure you'll be back and just make sure you know what side you're on. I'm like, don't yeah. say that to an actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when Ian McShane says, hey, buddy, you're going to come back in character, you're like, what? what? <laughs> oh, I love that. I love the idea that the audience is seeing it through... Argus's eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I really, now I'm like, oh my God, they have to bring you back just to like show that dynamic because that would be so cool. That would be amazing. Because literally they had me um, and and there were like four pages of dialogue where I basically went through every major plot point from season one uh, through to that episode. And, and I basically just articulate what happened. And it was just like fact, fact, fact. Um, And then the other thing too, that they didn't really brush on was the fact that through sex with new media, I get my vision back. Uh, and that's you huge. Can actually, yeah, you can actually hear it. I go, I can see. Um, but the rest of that little speech was was cut as well. So, hey. um, yeah. So there were definitely, you know, things in it that I was like, oh. Okay, know. stars, when you make your box set, I would really yeah. appreciate some deleted scenes, yeah. specifically these ones just mentioned. <laughs> Please and thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So old gods or new gods? Ooh. That's a big question. Well, I, I think he's not being respected and definitely being used by the new gods. So I think uh, definitely, I mean, he is old god for sure that's been hybridized. But definitely, I would say old gods because they're the ones that are getting forgotten. You legitimately got taken advantage of. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, you so, did get to have sex with new media, so. Right. <laughs> and she is the most fearless person I have ever met. She, it's funny because 
Um, you know, that's quite the scene. Um, and that was her intro episode as well. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure taking over from Jillian Anderson. Um, and she just was fearless. She just went and, uh, I mean, she's a nut bar. She's a total nut bar. And, uh, I hope that that comes out more in the upcoming seasons. Um, but I think, I mean, obviously new media, we need that. We need social media as a God. Um, yeah. And I think she's doing a great job, but she's just amazing to work with and Bruce. And I mean, the funny thing is there was a scene with new, um, Mr. Wednesday and Emily, um, sorry, with Laura. And they actually changed the location where they're in uh, that field with the sort of uh, mirrored elevator where they sacrifice the cow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that originally took place in a hallway and I was on a desk and I was the one they sacrificed oh. instead of Io. Um so again, that sort of changed things too, but it was so funny cause I'm blind and I just, I loved season one and then I binge watched season one before shooting. So there I am sitting on a desk, you know, essentially dead. Um, and I am listening <laughs> to Ian and Emily do their line. And in my head, I'm like, cause my eyes are closed. I'm like, I'm just asleep on the couch and I'm watching American gods. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there was a cue where I have to like, convulse and i was like oh my god i'm in this you know i'm in the show (laughs) this is so crazy and then i sort of had my like total geek boy moment and then i was fine that's so adorable to hear i feel like (laughs) that's like every um you know fans sort of dream right to be like listening to it and then all of a sudden being a part of it yeah oh well i mean it's also terrifying because the thing is let's be honest and you know as an actor you you obviously hope that every production you work in is is brilliant and you know has a life-changing message and brilliant cast and crew and you know the reality is sometimes we just do jobs that go by the wayside and maybe never see the light of day and um it's just one of those things though it's like you know this was my version of doing star wars I mean, okay, Star Wars would be, let's be honest, <laughs> huge. But I mean, just in terms of being in a show that I respect and and love, you know, this the shape of season one was just so insane Agreed. that to then be a part of season two is just so, um, yeah, it's just one of those rare moments as an actor where you're like, I'm in something that I, you know, think is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I've had a few moments in my career, luckily. But um, but definitely this one is like you know. Plus, Ian McShane. I mean, right? God, he's so amazing. <laughs> well, I, I have funny stories about him. Um, I went up to him. He's a very intense, intense man. Not in in a negative or positive way. Just there's an intensity about him as an actor, as a as a person. He's just you know brilliant man. And uh, I never saw Deadwood. <laughs> Never saw Deadwood. And so, of course, friends of mine who adore Deadwood were like, well, you're working with Ian McShane. And I said, yeah, I, I know. Um, so one day I'm arriving on set and I don't have my makeup on yet. And I went up to him and I said, hi, Ian. And he goes, yes. And I said, it's Christian. Oh, fuck. He's like, he's like, do not do that. He goes, because he obviously didn't recognize me in that makeup. And I was like, oh, God. Like, I literally thought I was going to get escorted off set. He's some crazy fanboy. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing is this show has some crazy fanboys, uh, so they have to you know lie about the name of the title when they're shooting. And um, anyway, so it was just one of those moments where I was like, "Oh god, I'm going to get fired!" And then he said, "Please, just honestly, don't do that again." And this similar thing happened at the at the premiere in L.A. 
Um, of course he had to have no idea what I was like outside of makeup. And, uh, so I said it and again, he sort of had a look that looked like I was a fanboy, and then he realized who it was and he was like, Oh, Christian, how are you, dad? And, you know, <laughs> and we had a nice 20 minute chat. Um, uh, that's yeah, so funny. It, I would love to chat about all the times it hasn't been somebody he knew. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Right? I know. You mentioned that you loved season one, even before you were cast in season two. Had you also read it? Are you a Neil Gaiman fan too? Did you read it before being in it? Well, here's the thing is I am a huge fan of his work. Um, and I had started reading it years ago, but because my character wasn't in it, I just didn't, I didn't want to then get a, I basically didn't want to become that actor on set. And he was like, well, if I say this, then that, you know, conflicts with this. And I felt like going in with too much information oh. with a character that isn't in the novel because I'm also a writer is I didn't want to become someone who's filling in blanks that could be left blank. Mm. That makes any sense. Absolutely. And honestly, I never would have even thought to imagine it that way. So I'm, I'm glad you kind of let me in on that because I feel like that's a very, it makes a lot of sense once you say it. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's funny because I was in the Handmaid's Tale and I in the Handmaid's Tale, but I was one of the, you know, the forefathers. Um, but again, it's not really explained in the book um, how Gilead is formed. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, it was one of those things that I was like, I'm I'm attached to to Waterford. So mm -hmm. it makes sense that I will get as much as I can I can glean from the novel. But I feel like with this, um, you know, new media is a new character. I'm a new character. It just I just decided to sort of hold back and and let the writers do their work that are working on the screenplay versus, you know, tinkering too much with the source material. Uh, that I mean, that's seriously awesome. I, I feel like I don't know. I feel like you kind of let me in on the new world because I wouldn't you have this perspective. You most people aren't just actors, right? Of course, everybody has other things going on, but you have writing uh, in your repertoire as well. So that's um, yeah. Well, and it's funny because it sometimes definitely gets me in trouble. Um, I, I would say more on the audition end. I'll see something and I'll just come like, oh, this just needs. I mean, as an actor, we are allowed to button at the end of a scene and we are allowed to say unscripted lines at the end of a scene. Oh. But there are times where I'm on set and I'll I'll be like, um, oh, hi, <laughs> you know, and the director who will be a friend of mine or, you know, a relative equal will say, you know, how did you find that last scene? And I go, well, for being honest, you know, and, and the writer, the writer brain is a hard brain to shut off. Um, so when it can get shut off, I think is, is equally okay as when it could get turned on. Well, I want to yeah. ask you in specific about your writing because you recently wrote Moments of Clarity, uh, yeah. which is phenomenal. Oh my God. Everybody should watch it. I think it's- Oh, you saw it? Oh my God. It's so lovely. It's so charming. Oh, I mean, okay, so I will tell you from the, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but from the opening scene, I was like, okay, this is weird and amazing, and I love this. And <laughs> at anticipation, I was totally in. Um, right. I was like, this is amazing. 
And I'm absolutely going to steal the line. I'm not judging. I'm just observing with intense criticism. And I cannot (laughs) wait to use that in real life. It is absolutely brilliant. It's so charming. I mean, it really, it is such a good movie. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came to life? Sure. Um, Well, the lead actress, Kristen Wallace, um, her, she was able to, to secure financing, um, you know, through family and friends. And it's a, you know, it's a small budget indie. Um, And she approached a friend of mine, Dave Phillips, who was given to her through uh, another mutual friend um, as, as basically someone who is good at assembling uh, amazing people with, with, uh, you know, relatively, reduced funds um and he's just uh, i know him as an actor in toronto and and as a producer he every day he wows me um and so he basically came on board and then he took one look at the script and you know the script had elements of carrie it had elements of thelma louise it had elements of all these stories and he just went you know i i don't know what what genre you're hitting here and so he basically said to me, um, you know, we want to write this thing. And, uh, you know, there is a script. It's been worked on for a while. But what do you think? And so I sort of went away and I, I came back and I just said, well, uh, I think you should make it a comedy. And he goes, I, I agree, too. And he goes, but the whole thing with comedies is, is how far do you go in the American Pie venue and make a gross out sex comedy? And then if you go too far on the sweet twee side, then you know, then you're veering on to another side of comedy um, that it can, you know, blow up quickly. Um, And so he said, why don't you just kind of find your way into this? And so, for example, I just sort of looked at some of the backstory and it was actually fascinating because Kristen, the the lead actress, and I talked on the phone. We actually didn't meet in person for months. And so we sort of talked on the phone and she said, this is the story that I want to write. And I would push certain things on her and I'd say, well, I think um, to negate the, you know, the relationship between the mother and her father, let's make the father gay now uh, with a boyfriend. So there's no sense that they'll ever get back together. Mm. So I was sort of implementing all these like writer elements that would make sense and contain it. And then um, it got to the point where we were in the three week mark and they're like, "Okay, you've got a sense of where it's going go write this thing. And so I basically took the characters and the situations and sort of just like mixed them all. And, uh, you know, wrote some scenes after a few pints, <laughs> like the scene where they check into the motel. <laughs> I, I wrote that and I couldn't stop laughing. And it was about one thirty in the morning and the bartender's like, are you okay? And I'm like, read this. And he goes, Oh, you need help. <laughs> It's so good. Um, so he didn't so, read it? No, he did. He did. But he just was like, no, you need help from what you've written. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so it's just one of those things. So I sent it off and, you know, they were both really, really happy with it. And then, uh, you know, it sort of came back and added a few things and here and there. And then the magical thing was, I think that was October of a few years ago where I finished the, you know, the final draft. And then they were shooting it. And I had met Kristen um, in Toronto once before they shot it. And then I actually went down for the last four days of shooting because I didn't I didn't want to be there the entire shoot and be like, mm, actually, sorry, that line is me. You know, yeah. like I didn't want to be that person. Um, but uh, so I went down and I pretended to be a PA <laughs> and, I, and I wore a hat and I sort of wore like wore a jacket that wasn't mine. And, and uh, I was introduced to Kristen as Doug the PA 
And uh, she sort of looked at me and thought there was something odd. And then, of course, screamed and thought that was ridiculous. Um, You're so sneaky. But it was just, I am so sneaky. Um, but it was just amazing to see the caliber of actors that approached the script. Um, and and just the way that it all turned out. And some of the film festivals we played at. And, you know, we got to play at, at the Napa Valley Film Festival, which is incredible. And they actually had a dinner. The amazing thing about this festival is that they have a dinner for every film that gets in. So there's usually about 12 uh, narrative films and then 12 documentary films. And they host a dinner. Our dinner had 67 guests. It had a crystal table, a four course dinner prepared by a chef in a winery. It was a paired (laughs) wine dinner. Uh, The owner of the winery came and asked individuals to speak about craft. Um, And it was one of the most amazing nights of my life. I was like, are you kidding me? Plus, Mackenzie. Yeah, it was amazing. And then Mackenzie Aston was in the film. Uh, and I don't know if you remember, he was in Facts of Life, which is one of my favorite shows <laughs> as a kid. And I, I literally kept it so quiet. And then it was in Napa. I was like, um, by the way, I was a huge fan of Facts of Life. <laughs> it's like, thanks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's that story. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was such an amazing experience working on that and then just seeing it blossom. And I recently was on a train ride back from San Diego to LA with a friend and we had just been visiting Mexican wine country. And so we had some wine in us and I said, Hey, do you want to see my movie? And he goes, sure. And he was killing himself. And I think it's one of those movies that, you know, if you have a little drink or a little puff, it's <laughs> much better. It's a- I will keep that in mind. And just so everybody knows, it's available on Amazon Prime. I'll be watching it as soon as this podcast is over. Or iTunes. (laughs) And uh, and honestly, I was telling Heaven earlier, it, you know, I watch, obviously doing this, we watch a lot of TV, watch a lot of movies. And it literally, as soon as it was done, I was like, I need to watch that again. And that happens so, so rarely that I want to, because I have so much I need to watch and so much I need to cover that watching something twice is like, that's stupid. Um, why would yeah. I do that? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so true. It, it was so clever. It was so, I mean, I, the, the, um, grass wins retirement, just that like scene with like the, the filter, your kidneys. I was like, oh. what is happening here? <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, I know. It's it's so it walks that line, as you said, between those all those different kinds of comedy where you're like, what's happening is really well, that's that's some weird sex scene thing. And then but then she's so charming. And then and then it's weird. But like in this really beautiful, I don't it's just brilliant. It really bravo. It's so good. I cannot tell. I think everybody needs to immediately watch it. I I thought it was uh, well, the, really the thing that was amazing, too, is, is you know, like I said, so much of the groundwork had been done. But just listening to someone over the phone for a period of weeks, I started writing the character based on some of her rhythms that mm. she would give her to the phone. So when it came time to shoot it, a lot of her natural cadence and her innocence really came through that character. You know, and and she's hilarious and a lovely person. And, you know, we've become really good friends through this whole experience. But just seeing it's funny, some of those lines and some of those moments, part of me is like, she no idea that, that was lifted from real life. You know, <laughs> um, now she might if she's listening to this. Sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it was it was such a wonderful thing to be a part of. And, and just some of the places we got to go with it. And, yeah. 
Yeah. Christian and all the Nurks listening, since you have just met Kelsey and y'all don't necessarily know her as well as I do, she does. she's not blowing smoke right now. She does not talk about... We watch a lot of shows and a lot of movies, and she does not talk this way about everything she watches. Oh, wow. I don't even remember the last time I've heard her say she wanted to watch something twice unless it was Strike Back. That's true. Strike oh, wow. That's, that's my babe. But, yeah. uh... <laughs> Just to put the context out there for you. All right. But no, it really, it's so good. And we, you know... I, Lindsay Fonseca, I just love her. We've loved her since Nikita. I mean, she's been. Oh yeah. Everybody though was was fabulous, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping, pray that you will do more like that because that was that was incredible. So where do you what? hope to go with your writing? I guess would be the actual I, instead of just yeah. heaping praise upon you. I will ask yeah. you a question. <laughs> I'll just take that. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because um, the thing that put me on the map was a thriller. Uh, in terms of my writing, and I don't know why I, I said it like a question. It was a thriller, <laughs> not a thriller. You spent some time um, um, in Australia. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was a thriller. Um, <laughs> and so for me, someone told me early on in writing, you have to write everything like a thriller. So even if it's a rom-com, you don't introduce the love interest right away. And if you do, you have to subvert something. And so you're always catching the audience off guard. You praise them for being intelligent, and then you trip the rug underneath them and for a moment they hate you but then they're wondering what what they can hold on to next that's safe and i think that that's the way that i attack all the writing but i will say that something i'm working on right now is a thriller um which is exciting and uh it's terrifying oh um and then i do have a road comedy that i'm working on um which is (laughs) It's awful. We're all we're we're in. We're totally in. Yeah. 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 You got us. Right. This podcast is brought to you by TVSeriesHub.tv, your site for entertainment news, reviews, and interviews. Now back to the show. Hey, having a good I don't know if casting manager is the right word, but having somebody that knows what they're doing in that particular position and whoever else is involved with choosing that it's, it's, I mean, every role is important, but that one definitely has a very specific place in the world that is. Yeah. But it's weird because I mean, you know, and also the the breakdown for the Argus role, they were looking for a gymnast or a clown. (laughs) (laughs) What? Like, or sorry, a gymnast or a circus performer. Okay. You're just like, what? Do you, to did sit, you to learn circus acts at boarding wires? school? Was that like an elective? No, I, I have no idea. Um, and it was funny because they were seeing all types of people. And I went in and I did a magic trick. And I think the magic trick is what got me the part. <laughs> no way. Just, yeah. And it was kind of funny because um, here, actually, I'll, I'll do it for you. Um, <laughs> yes. So... Um, basically there's, so I'm like jab of the hut and I'm like hobbled over and they wanted me to really be at the end of my life, you know, in that chair. And then the script for the audition was very different than the script that we shot. Um, and so basically one of the lines was let the eyes of Argus set you free. So I'm sitting there and in the chair and then I decided in that moment that I should have proper posture 
And then when I say, let the eyes of Argus set you free. So the way it worked is I, I sort of went up like this and I improved my posture. And then I rolled my eyes into the back of my head. Oh God. And I, you know, have a lot of white in my eye. And I literally went like this. <laughs> I went like this. <gasps> then I went and I have, you can't really see it here. And I had these lights that came out of my eyes. And then I went like this into the reader. And I was like, let the eyes of Argus set you free like this. And then I went back into my like huddled posture and they were like, what was that? <laughs> That's how I and feel the, right now. That was amazing. I had got shivers. And then the casting director was like, okay, let's do it again. Let's try this. And I was like this, should I still do the magic thing at the end? And he goes, yes. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I literally was like, you know, went back and then did this, like, it's, you can't really see it now, but it's like this thing. Anyway, um, so Jesse Alexander, who used to be on Star Trek, who was the showrunner for season two until some complications, mm. he came up to me and he was like this. Hey, uh, do you like this jacket? I had no idea who he was. And I was like, uh, yeah. And he goes, uh, should I go green or blue? And I was like, uh, green's fine. Oh, you're just saying that. I'm like, no. I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> and then he goes like this. I'm Jesse, by the way. And I said, oh, and he goes, oh, my God, your audition. Oh, my God. Oh my God. And I was like, is that a good thing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then he goes like this, you, how did you think of that? And I was like, I don't know, just sort of at home. And then I was like, Oh, I'll do this. And you know, it's one of those rare things where you make a really bold choice and then you get the part because sometimes you just have, and I just wanted a Letterman story. You know what I mean? I just wanted one of those like, Oh, and I did this magic trick. And, you know, now have you have one. a Letterman story, a John Stewart story, yeah. a Conan story. Hey. <laughs> That's amazing. That I'm, might be one of the most unique <laughs> auditions I just ever. Noted, sorry. <laughs> I would give so much to see the video of that. Oh, my God. Well, the funny thing, too, is I just sort of feel like, you know, I, I look like a clean cut collegiate, you know, guy that you're not. There's nothing I can do to walk into that room and then have you go, oh, that's Argus. You know what I mean? Like. There's certain things I can do physically and stuff, but I was just like, I gotta, I gotta figure something to freak these people out. And you know what? It, it makes total sense why they cast you from that because, like, I, I don't know, at least seventy five percent of your acting in American Gods is through your body language. Yes. So I feel like it makes total sense now putting it all together, but. Honestly, you put out so much information in how your body moves. And it's so weird and kind of creepy and totally awesome all at the same yeah. time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like an eight-year-old. I'm stuck on the fact that your thumbs were just glowing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I don't. This is really creeping me out. You just keep I doing it. it. And I'm like, I don't see anything. <laughs> Oh, the magic castle is calling right now. <laughs> um, yeah. And well, it's it's so funny because I feel like, you know, I hope that this role is also an audition for Star Trek. Nice. We're loving Oh, I would Trek. love to see you on Discovery. But I, I feel like in Star Trek, you have to be 6'9 and 13 pounds. <laughs> like, you know. Anson no. Martin. Who else? Who's short on that? Isn't Michael short? And Tilly also? The women. <laughs> okay, that's true. Darn it. Darn it. Oh my god. I'm I'm gonna play Tilly in season three. <laughs> like I Okay, bad it. examples. Don't listen yeah, to me. Bad examples. Um No, I mean they they, they there is like a tall, lean, like yeah. you know, 
look for Star Trek. Yeah, that's um, true. you know, which is fine. But I would, I mean, for me, I've always wanted to play a creature. And are you kidding me? Like, you know, and it's one of those things that they often cast people who are creature like in real life. And ah. I don't mean that disparagingly, but they they do have angles and features that people go, oh, you'd be perfect in sci-fi. Whereas, right. you know, no, no, no one's ever looked at me and went, oh, you'd be a perfect, you know, naked creature with wires. <laughs> you know? Well, now they know. All they have to do but is now see, they know. now they know. You're a perfect naked <laughs> creature with wires. You can have all well, kinds of the- wire sex on Star Trek and be good. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing is, is I feel like luckily Argus is one of those characters that, you know, if it gets a fifth, five seasons, let's say, People go, you were in American Gods. Who were you? Oh, remember I was that um, lawyer in season two, the guy who um, put Shadow Moon in jail? People are like, no. no. Who were you? Argus. Oh, Argus. Like yeah. it is one of those roles that people are going to be like, oh, right, that guy. Um, right. But, so probably the role that the most number of people around the world are ever going to see is also my most unrecognizable. So that's, that's true. Um, you do have true, an yeah. incredible amount of makeup on layers. Yeah. On you, yeah. but you <laughs> make kind of, you make an impact. And you recently, we were talking about um, you on Handmaid's Tale. Uh, also, you know, you're a, a, a you know guest actor on, but as Commander Guthrie, you are memorable. You know, you're you're not in every episode, but you are memorable enough so that you made a top twenty list of people we love to hate. I know, which is crazy. Oh. Oh my Number goodness! Number six. I mean, that's uh, no. pretty big. According to the Wire, yeah. you are number six out of a show that is almost entirely bad guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Number six. <laughs> well, it was funny because when that first came out, it was I was number five, and I was oh. like, I know. You got bumped. Um, bumped. What the? I got I got bumped. I know. <laughs> um, but it's so funny because I'm I'm good friends with Commander Price, mm. who's amazing, and um. Yeah, that was such a a fascinating world to be a part of because they had just received words from the Television Critics Association that it was the show of the decade. And and so when I arrived on set, there was this healthy anxiety that they knew that what they were putting forth was getting received in the way it was intended. And uh, that was episode eight. So they, you know, they wanted to continue along that. So in terms of, of the timing and the pressure and, because you know, when you do a, something for Hulu, when there's no network interference in terms of numbers that you have to worry about, but all, all of a sudden they got more of the, more, you know, incredible. There was this, this odd sense to deliver magic. And I feel like, you know, when you're sitting across from Joseph Fines, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just hard to to go, OK, let's just be at the level that this show needs you to be at. And the great thing is working with someone like Joseph, you know, immediately puts you in that level. I feel like if anyone you could be the worst actor in the world and be in a scene with Meryl Streep and you just listen to her and that makes you better. <laughs> uh, and it was just really neat to see what, you know, what uh, fumbles other actors make. Um and, you know, because, of course, you know, uh, working in a scene because the, the director wasn't in our limo. The director's on a um, on a walkie. And so it's just literally Max Minghella who's driving. And then the, uh, there was a sound guy lying on the floor 
and then the the dp and then three actors and there's no director and literally we're hearing the director going Shh. and this is the other thing a director gives you notes in your ear they'll be like this uh, okay that that was a bit unbelievable could you maybe tone this down and maybe find the humanity here but when it's a when it's a headset in the car they're like this Shh. uh christian yeah that wasn't the best take uh could you <laughs> and you're just like this thanks just like put you on blast in front of everybody in the limo yeah and the shitty thing is when you've got when you're in a car with five or six men there's someone you're always competing to have the final word especially when it comes to a joke Uh. and it was one of those things where i'm the sort of person that when i'm in a crowd of people that i don't know very well i am one of those choice moments people where i'm quiet for an hour and then I drop a little bomb, mm. right? And so they were talking about the film version of The Handmaid's Tale and how MGM owned that. And that's why they're co-producing it with Hulu because they own the rights. And they were talking about the problems with the film. And at one point I said, well, you know, if you think the film's bad, you should see the video game. <laughs> <laughs> and I said that, which I thought was hilarious. But the DP came in with something else over mine. And I was like, can't. And I was told you never repeat a joke. Yeah. If it wasn't heard the first time, you just that wasn't your time. Wah, you have a handmade video sure game can. for PlayStation? Are you kidding? <laughs> Is there really? No. No. Kevin, <laughs> can you imagine what it'd be like? Oh how many women can you rape? Like what? That's terrible. Heaven. Oh my god, that would be the absolute worst, worst thing that ever happened. Be awful. Well, I was thinking it's more the vengeance of the handmaids versus the vengeance. Oh, see, I was like, you're playing the dude. Oh, my- <laughs> no. Could you imagine I you press you the A button? Something. The bonnet comes back and, you know, <laughs> off Glenn starts coming back. And, you know. I mean, she did oh. look like Batman in the final, like, the final episode of last season with, with the hood. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, so she's Batman now? So you could be like a Batman Handmaid's Tale crossover video <laughs> oh, game. Oh, totally. No, Alfred <laughs> versus Superman. <laughs> they do need, let's be honest, they do need a superhero. Yeah. Well, they both have capes, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, but it was, it was, and it's funny too because um, there is this this lingering question about how Gilead was formed and what was the shift. Uh, you know, they hint at it, but I don't know. I don't know. I think your character um, clearly had a lot to do with it. Even uh, Waterford describes you, quote unquote, as has God in his heart, even if his mouth is sometimes a bit blasphemous. Yes. <laughs> Which I yes. thought was just such a silly statement, but so true at the same time, because you're like the top bad guy, but you're not even... A good bad guy. Yeah. Because without like spoiling too much, you do other things that potentially you shouldn't be doing in your position. <laughs> do what I say, not what I do. Yeah. 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 But it's so funny too that Yeah, it's not clear uh, at the end whether or not we're gonna see you or what exactly happened to you. Exactly. And it's funny too, because when um one of the other commanders um who uh you know who um what's her name? Janine was with he they said what's the worst thing you can give him and they cut off his hand as the worst thing that can happen so i feel like they hang certain people but i wasn't clearly going off to get hanged i was going to trial so you have no idea exactly and i am for um but there was talk uh you know someone in casting 
said to me, you know, you come across as such a strong character and a fully formed character, you really should come back. And so there was talk um, early on, maybe possibly season three, but season three is almost wrapping up and I'm not there. <laughs> um, but, spoiler. You know, spoiler. <laughs> oh my God, I just ruined the whole series. Um, I just hope that in season four, uh, I enter the Handmaid's Tale universe as Argus. <laughs> Over of the century. Did you imagine that would be amazing? Because then oh I would have God. all the information. Offred needs yes. to get out. Yes. Yes. If only stars and Hulu could play nice. Yeah. Next topic. Oh, actually, they are friends. No, they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. They we see we can see star stuff on yeah, Hulu, yeah. but having show yeah. crossover, I think, yeah. might be a little more difficult than just. Well, can you imagine though, Gilead the and the old gods show up to Gilead? <laughs> Oh, you guys don't like sex? We can fix that. <laughs> God, that would be amazing. And terrible. Oh, the crossover none of us knew we needed. Right? So, Christian, can you tell us what is coming up next? Aside from your writing, which you kind of teased, you have you know some scripts you're working on. What else you have? What else is uh, is coming up for you? Well, it's funny. I um I don't know if it's you know been mentioned, but I live in Toronto. Uh, and so I don't know why I said it like that. Um, <laughs> well, you are England born Toronto. and Canadian raised. So yeah, but I don't think either of them say mentioning. it that way. Yeah, but none of them say Toronto. <laughs> no, we say Toronto. Toronto. Uh, so basically I just signed with a manager. Um, and I just had to turn down some work, uh, some theater work that I was going to, that, either, that I was excited to do this summer. But I feel like I need to just really be open um, for the film and TV market because Toronto gets very busy in the winter, even though it's the summer. <laughs> it gets very busy in the summer. It doesn't get busy in the winter. Um, so with the new management team, uh, I just want to be, you know, all guns loaded. Um, and as well, I have a film coming out called The Narcissist, um, which I think is going to be on Lifetime. Um, uh, and a friend of mine who's in that, we're actually working on writing a film together that we would both be in. So there's the hat. Um, and then I have another film that I'm writing with someone else as well. So there's a lot of like films that I, the hopes is that I would be in them and creating my own work that way. Is there a name yet for, um, the one we spoke about earlier? No, which is funny because okay. usually I come up with the name first. And then I go from there. Okay. Um, and it was funny because I'm collaborating on a script right now with an actor and, uh, you know, quite a high profile actor who I can't really mention right now. And it's funny because she came up with a name and that was we were sitting on that for two years. And then I was sitting in a Starbucks on a Sunday. It was raining and I was peeing and I went, oh, my God, and came up with the title. And then it, it opened up so many oh, channels. Okay. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm very much one of those people that I love a really clever title. Yeah. A lot of important I mean, things happen with you around the restroom. <laughs> I know. It's a good place to think. Oh, it what's is. you doing? It is a very good place to think. Um, yes. Yes. But I was peeing. You know, I feel like peeing is a... Is it an activity that no one should be shameful about? That's, That's true. very true. Um, yes. Um, yes. So <laughs> there's that. Um, yeah. So for me right now, I'm just, um, you know, all the gates are open um, for things, but I'm, I'm very much working hard to. Oh, and I'm also um, 
working towards, you know, doing a partial relocation to LA. Okay. But that takes <gasps> oh, a lot. Oh, really? That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like um, I most of the work that I'm cast in is American. Mm. Uh, and when I arrive on set, everyone assumes I'm American. Uh, and I really like playing with Americans. Um, there is this sense of just, I don't know, I just... I, I was lucky enough that one of my first jobs um, was in a film called The Day Reagan Was Shot. And I was playing John Hinckley Jr. And I was just given a lot of latitude and a lot of space and a lot of me time to explore certain things just due to the heaviness of the character. And, I, the, you know, the people that made me most feel uncomfortable on set were people that intimidated the hell out of me because of their, you know, long list of American credits. And they were the ones who were just like, hey, just listen to me and let's just play and let's just see what happens. And not to say Canadian actors don't do that, but I feel like, you know, there's so many big productions that come to Toronto that there is a tendency that we don't want to rock any boats. We don't want to be mm. difficult. We want to be, you know, the good actor who isn't taking unnecessary focus, which gets into the psychology of it. And I feel like, you know, uh, an actor just wants someone to come in and stir things up, you know, regardless of where they're from. And, you know, no, no one else knows where you're from, you know? So yeah, it is this weird thing. So I, I enjoy the idea of working one day in the state. That's cool. Cause I haven't, I don't, Toronto seems to be the new Hollywood, though, I'm, or at least it's moving in that direction. It is. Um, but what what happens sometimes is um, we will be we will go in for roles. For example, I went in for a movie called Gold. Remember that with Matthew McConaughey and um, and they were going to shoot in Toronto. And I got a call back and it was with Paul. Um, uh, what's his name? Paul Haggis. And it was the director uh, wrote Syriana. And there were a bunch of. You know, I think five people in the audition room had Oscars under their belt. And I was like, hi. <laughs> and I just got off a plane from Mexico. And, you know, it was just like, what am I doing here? And um, and then they decided to not shoot in Toronto, <sighs> that they went and shot in New York, mm -hmm. um, the stuff they're going to shoot here. So part of the film takes place in Thailand and part in New York. And they're going to do all the New York stuff in Toronto. So the thing is, as someone who, you know, doesn't yet have paperwork, if I was an American and I was auditioning for that, that was shooting in Toronto, or let's say they were shooting it in LA and then they're going to Washington, I would still be brought over because I have the papers. But right. because oh. they're now shooting in New York, I'm in ballot. Yeah. You know, so it was just one of those, you know, yeah. there is great stuff being shot up here. Um, but when it's slow, you know, whereas in the States, there's just so many projects. Yeah, going on. Always shooting. You know, so but it sounds like it will just open more doors naturally. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I love working here and I love being here. The crews here are amazing. And, you know, but I, I just, uh, yeah, the dream is is to make it to Mecca, you know, and, and to see, you know, living and working in L.A. is, you know, every actor at some point wants to do that. So. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, we have a final question that we ask everybody. Um, okay. So before I ask that, I want to say one more time, everybody go, please watch Moments of Clarity. It's amazing. You're going to love it. Um, and now the question our favorite question that we always ask is your favorite fan interaction you've ever had, whether it be weird or funny or touching. What's your favorite thing, your interaction you've ever had with a fan? Okay. It's kind of a two part. Am I allowed to do a two part you for 500 two Alex? Yep. No okay. rules. <laughs> um, no rules. Okay. So I was in Paris for a friend's 40th birthday and we went to this obscure little pizza place that a friend of mine raved about because he has a place in Paris. So we walk in and the waiter who's very French and very charming, you know, we're all sitting at the table and he's pouring wine. And then he looks at me and he goes, 
you are an actor. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I am. And I had just been in Maps of the Stars that had premiered at Cannes. And I went to the premiere at Cannes literally like four days before. And the day after it was released, or it premiered at Cannes, it was released in France and Italy. And he goes like this, uh, you are not girl. And I was like, uh, I am. And he goes, um, uh, and then literally described the scene that I was in. And he was like this, oh, uh, you are perfect. And then walked away. And my friends are like, as if. As if we just landed in France and the waiter just saw your movie and this happened, right? And I was like, oh, right. And, you know, so that was cool. But then two days later, we were celebrating my friend's birthday on the actual day. And a friend from Michigan thought it'd be hilarious if we all wore berets and fake mustaches, right? So I'm like, okay. So we literally in the apartment had a glass of wine and I'm walking down the street and I'm wearing my little mustache. Then all of a sudden, um, a car goes by or something, or there's like dust of wind or something. And literally I inhale and part of the mustache goes up my nose. <laughs> and the mustache is, is synthetic fiber. And it's, it's, it's a non-natural, it's not even from earth. I don't know where it's from, but it is awful. Anyway, it goes up my nose and then comes down the back of my throat. Yeah. Stop it. It literally snakes up and, and I'm like this in Paris, and I'm like this, and yo, like this, right? And I'm dying, and then it caterpillars its way onto my tongue, and then shoots out of my mouth, and I've got that like, it's like someone took a pipe cleaner between my throat and my nose. I am literally like sneezing and and coughing. I've only had a glass of wine, and then, not to be rude. I just start heaving yeah. in the streets of Paris and bring up the cheese lunch. And I'm just like, this is awful. And the, the burn from the fiber and it was awful. So literally I'm, I'm all my friends thinking like, what is wrong with you? And we go into this dance bar, right? And we go down into this cavern and a friend of mine goes, don't ask me how I know this, but if you've just vomited, have vodka and apple juice. And I was like this, okay, Becky, <laughs> you know, like, what, how the hell do you find that out? Anyway, so I drank it and it was fine. Like it actually was soothing. And then I go into the middle of the dance floor and everyone's having an amazing time, but I feel horrible. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden the lights are going and then it slows down. And this random guy out of nowhere is in front of me and he looks at me and he says, cinema, never give up. <laughs> and then literally walked away. And I was like, wow. okay, I guess I'll, I'll never give up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then there's a third part. Can I say a third part? Of course there is. <laughs> okay. So have you ever heard of a mentalist? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I went to this guy and he is a mind reader. And he was sitting, I was sitting next to a friend of mine. And at one point he puts this thing over his head and can't see anything. And a friend of mine wrote that she went to Mexico and she went with me and uh, that was it. And so he basically called her name out of the audience and he said, how was Mexico? And she's like, grabs my arm and she goes, how the hell does he know about this? And I said, well, I don't know. Like, and then she folded up the piece of paper and it was in a box. Like, there's no way anyone could have read it. And he said, how was Mexico? And she's like, uh, it was great. And then he goes, remember that time? Oh, sorry. It was Vegas. She goes, remember that time um, that you told Christian you were going to go to the you know gift shop to see what prizes there were? 
and you went and gambled instead. And then she was like this, oh my God. And then she whispered to me, I didn't tell him that, right? And I was like, well, that's weird. And then mine, he said, where did you go? And I said, I went to Mexico. Why did you go? Because I landed a job. That's all I put in my on my thing, and it was put in the box. So later in the show, he goes, hey, Christian, uh, how was Mexico? And I said, great. And he goes, great. And you got it because of that part. I didn't say part. I said job. And he goes like this. It's a hard life, isn't it? And I said, it, 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 it is. And he goes like this. Keep with it. It's going to pay off when you least expect it. And I was like, what? Is he the same guy as the random dude in the bar, <laughs> no, right? <laughs> no, no, no. This is just another like fan interaction. And he wasn't even a fan. And then later I went up to him and I just said, you know, thank you very much. And he goes like this. And I didn't introduce myself. So he hadn't seen me because he had blindfold. And he goes, hey, Christian. He goes, yeah, acting's always going to pay off. Stick with it. It's a hard road. And I was like, Dude, yeah, you just blew my mind. Magic. Mind. I wish y'all could see his face right now. <laughs> the look of confusion. Yeah. That's across oh my it. God. It's, yeah, it was so weird. So I've had three, two French and one Brooklyn guy have have weirdly, you know, given me the hope that it takes to continue this <laughs> weird career. Oh, well, that's amazing. And it's pretty fabulous how quickly you go into other accents as well. You've thus far shown us a British, Australian, and a French accent without <laughs> even thinking twice about it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, it was an absolute I, pleasure. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to. Like, I'm still laughing in my yeah. brain right now. <laughs> thank you so much, Christian, for spending so long with us. That was amazing. I have this whole pages of like extra questions and I didn't even oh my god <laughs> you have seriously been fantastic we are so grateful and honored that you chose to spend your time with us today oh well thank you I'm, this was a blast. I'm gonna go yeah. tell my husband to and keep laughing for another 10 yeah. minutes thank you that oh was god. so much fun we really appreciate it okay. and again I cannot moments of clarity was amazing and, and I hope that it I, I don't know I, I Anyways, that I did a little literally it's just incredible and I'm glad I get to tell you that. So Aw, awesome. Thank so. you. I did a movie with Tamsin because I noticed you just uh did a thing oh, on yeah, Tamsin. We did. Oh, no way. She's lovely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah she was awesome. great. Thank you so much and ha- enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you too. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another Nurks podcast. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at Nurks of the Hub. And let us know what you think. 